So this morning, we are continuing a teaching series we started last week called More to Mondays, where we're talking about how our Christian faith changes how we see our work, what we do Monday through Friday. Whether we're out in the marketplace or maybe we're full-time at the home, we all have a calling, something we do with the bulk of our days that that we would call our job, our, our primary task, the thing that God is asking us to do with the bulk of our time and our talent at this particular moment. And what we're talking about is how when that thing that you do is viewed through the lens of your faith, it can transform how you understand the thing that you do in, in profound ways. In particular, what it does is it helps us see that there is, there is purpose and there is peace to be found in any and almost every task. And last week, we started the conversation by talking about that whole idea of purpose, Like, what is the purpose that God has for you in your work? And even if you don't like the work that you have to do right now, one of our big takeaways from last week is that God does have purpose in that work for you. You see, what we discovered last week, just by way of summary, is that all work is of God. All work, in that sense, is divine. Because when you, when you pull back far enough and you see that God is God in control of all things, that it's his hands that hold all things together and keep all things moving, what you have to admit is that God is at work in all of your work. That work is really, as, as some of the great theologians would say, work is really a mask of God. Your work is a mask behind which God is hiding and through which he is giving gifts to this world. That God is answering someone else's prayer, whether you know it or not, through your work. That God is meeting someone else's needs, whether you see it or not or know it or not, he's meeting someone else's need through your work. That God chooses to use the things that we do, big and small, noble or mundane, to keep this whole world moving and to protect and provide and bless for his creation through you and through me, through the jobs that we embrace. And what we said last week is that that is the key to finding purpose in your work. The key to finding purpose in your work is finding that line that runs from what you do Monday through Friday to how it blesses and helps somebody else. You find that line between what you do and how it nurtures or cares for or helps in some small way your neighbor, and you see that your job ultimately exists for their good, and that is what unlocks meaning and purpose in your work. You could say that's the why of work from a Christian perspective, that all work is of God, and God is using all work to bless people. That's the why of work. Now, today what we do is we shift gears a bit, and we start talking more about, like, what I guess you would say is the what of work. What do people of faith do in their work that is somehow different than what people who don't share our faith would do in their work? What do Christians do in their work that is in some way measurably or substantively different in their work? That's what we're going to talk about today. But we'll start here. Let's let's pretend for a moment that you you have a deep fear of flying. Yet despite your deep fear of flying, you you board a plane, and as you enter the plane, you are clutching your carry-on bag with everything you've got. And as you enter the plane, you make eye contact with the pilot. And the pilot, thankfully, looks the part. Like, he's wearing the uniform. He's got the wings. He's got the voice. Welcome aboard. And for a moment, you're put at ease. Oh, he looks like he can do the job. But then as you're entering, the pilot makes eye contact with you, leans over towards you and says, Welcome aboard. Do you know the Lord? 
And that question starts to weigh on you, and you start to wonder, like, why, why, why does the pilot want to know if I know the Lord? Why is, why is the pilot wondering whether or not I'm right with God? Should I be getting on this plane? What's going to happen on this flight? Now, the reason I, I mention that story is because ultimately, ultimately, I don't care whether or not my pilot has a robust faith in Jesus. What, what I care is whether or not my pilot can fly. That's what I care about. I'm all for pilots being passionate about Jesus. But in the end, if, if you can't land, I'm not getting on your plane. You may be the most passionate, faith-filled follower of Jesus that's ever lived. But if you're like stepping onto the plane saying, well, I hope this turns out well, I'm not getting on your plane. And, and that, that brings me to the first thing we need to understand. Some people think that integrating faith and work means making your work an evangelistic outpost. That all of a sudden, in order to integrate your faith and work, you have to talk about Jesus all the time at work. You have to start wearing those annoying t-shirts and cranking KSBJ in the cubicle and doing altar calls at the break room. That that's what it really means to integrate faith and work. And, and what I want you to know is that that, that is not the case. In fact, that, that's almost the opposite of what God wants you to do. As we said a week ago, your work has been established by God, whether you know it or not, to bless other people. That whether you're a person of faith or not, that God has good gifts he wants to deliver through your work, whether you know it or not. And so your primary task as a believer is to understand that there's a primary gift to be given through your work, and that your first task is to deliver that gift with excellence. That's your primary task. There is embedded in all work a necessary task, a primary gift that is meant to be given. So for example, if you're a pilot, the primary gift that's meant to be given is not an altar call, but the gift of a safe flight. If you're a baker, the gift that's meant to be given are top-notch bagels, nothing better. If you're a teacher, the primary gift is an excellent education. If you're a mom, it's everything. <laughs> If you're a home builder, it's, it's level foundations and square walls. If you're a cashier, it's quick service. If you're a drilling engineer, it's, it's crude that's brought safely to the surface so it can be brought to my car as fast as possible. And if you refuse or you fail to deliver this primary gift, you're missing the point for which God has put you into this work. For a Christian, the what of your work, first and foremost... It's to just be great at your work. Just be great at your work. To excel at it, because that's why God put you there. I, I think, honestly, the most dedicated, hardworking, joyful to work with, most faithful office mates, most earnest employees should, in theory, be people of faith. Now, sadly, I know that's not the case, but that should be the case. Because for people of faith, the lights have been turned on. And what we realize is that God is working through our work and that there are neighbors on the other side of this work, maybe right in front of me or far down the line, that need me to be good at this work. And so my primary job as a person of faith, knowing God is employing me and other people need me, is to just crush it at what I'm called to do. Just be great at it. Be good at it, because God's called me to it. Even if I don't like it for now, he's called me to it. And somebody down the line, they need me to be good at it. So if you're wondering how to make your, your workplace a ministry, here's how you make your workplace a ministry. Be competent at your work. Be good at it. And bring as much blessing through the primary task of your work 
as possible. That's how. And this is also one of the main reasons why when you read the scriptures, the scriptures have like zero tolerance for laziness. And it's not just laziness in general, it's the laziness of believers. And not so much lazy believers who are unwilling to share their faith, but lazy believers who take their laziness to work. And they don't, they don't do their part. They, 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 don't, they don't bring their best. Why? Because from a scriptural perspective, we're the ones who should know better. No matter what you do, whether you like it or not, God's employing you in what you do, and somebody needs what you do. So the first way to integrate faith and work is to just be good at your work. That's it. Now, that's not to say that there's nothing truly unique that believers are called to bring to their jobs. And this is where Matthew comes in, in what we just heard earlier. So Matthew chapter 3, it's the famous passage about salt and light that, that tends to confuse people. Like, Jesus says I should be salty? I'm not sure what he means there. Let me read this to you. You are the salt of the earth. If salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and then put it under a basket, but on a stand, and its light gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So what does salt and light mean? In short, what it means is that as members of God's family, if you're here as a Christian, you're a member of God's family, it means that as you do your business, whatever your business is, your business, your work is meant to have certain noticeable characteristics to it. As you seek to be excellent in your task, in your job, it should have certain noticeable characteristics that, that are reminiscent of, that are drawn from, that are reflective of this kingdom of God that you claim to be a part of. We're to do work that's not only competent, that's job one, do good work, but we're to do work that, that carries with it certain characteristics of the kingdom. And these extra characteristics of the kingdom that you layer onto your work, that you, you add to your work, those are what you could call like the secondary blessings that believers are called to bring to their work. Now again, that doesn't mean you have to blast Christian music in your cubicle or do altar calls in the break room. It, it, it's about the values and the the priorities that you bring to your work that you believe are reflective of the larger kingdom that you're a part of. It means you're asking questions like this. What is important to God? I mean, what, what I know of God and what I believe about him, what, it, what, what is important to him and how might I let those things like be reflected in some way, shape, or form in my work? So for example, what we believe is that God is all about showing offensive amounts of mercy. Like, people who don't deserve love, get love. People who don't deserve grace, get tons of grace. How might that be reflected in my work? That's a secondary blessing you're called to give. Um, he values justice, like the right things being done and the bad things being punished. And he also, he also values, like, human dignity. Like, everybody, he says, carries with him the image of God, and so everybody deserves a little bit, at least, of respect and dignity and opportunity. So, like, how, how might that be reflected in my work? He says that like evil should be avoided and beauty should be celebrated and love should endure. Oh man, how might that be reflected in my work? That's what you're called to wrestle with. 
And maybe, for example, like maybe what that leads you to do, maybe it leads you like as you do your work to pray as you do your work. Not like out loud necessarily, like that could be really weird for all involved, but like to yourself, like for the people that you're interacting with. Like maybe that's something that you do in your work. Or maybe it means that you choose to bow out of all the petty gossip that happens in your workplace like all the time. And instead, if you're going to like put yourself forward, you put yourself forward to try and like facilitate some peace between warring parties. Or here's one. Maybe you notice that in your particular line of work, people are really quick to bend the rules in order to make the deal or get the sale, but you, you just kind of tap out of that activity and you look for a way to do your work with a slightly higher integrity quotient. Or maybe it means like when you get a bonus, you don't just bless yourself and your family, which there's nothing wrong with that, but you seek to bless somebody else instead. This is what I mean by kingdom values influencing your work and bringing secondary blessing. That's what I mean. Uh, the story is told of a, of a man who lost his job. And he, he lost his job and he told his friend, he said, man, I lost my job because of illness and fatigue. And the friend said, oh man, that's really sad. How did it happen? And he said, well, my boss just got sick and tired of me. That was a bad joke. I will fully own it. Here's why I share that bad joke. I think that if you are serious about bringing secondary blessings into your work, like letting the values of the kingdom, like wrestling, like what matters to God and how can that matter to me and my work, that 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 punchline will rarely, if ever, be true of you. Because you will be bringing flavor and light to your work that the world is longing for. The world wants people who do what you do, and I don't know what all of you do, but I know this. The world wants people who do what you do with dignity and with love and with a sense of justice and with a higher level of integrity. The world wants you to do what you do with the values of the kingdom on top of it. It wants it. It needs it desperately. And so your call, if you're here as a baptized child of God, is to wrestle with what that might look like. But just be ready. Be warned. When you do that, and this is kind of the point, when you wrestle with what those secondary blessings are and you try to bring them into your work as you're trying to crush it at what you're called to do, people will notice that. And that's kind of the point. They will notice these little extra things that you bring to your work, and and they may even ask you about it, and they may even ask you why. Like, why do you do this, 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 or this? And when they ask you why, that, that's the opportunity for witness. When the world asks you why you do the little extra that you do, and then you tell them why, that powerful opportunity for witness comes in. Uh, Case in point, and you might laugh at this, case in point is Chick-fil-A. Now, I'm not just mentioning Chick-fil-A because I'm a Christian pastor and I'm technically endorsed by them and I have to. (laughs) Although all that is true. I'm mentioning Chick-fil-A because I think this really is a great example of what this looks like. Now, why is Chick-fil-A great? Chick-fil-A is great, bottom line, because their food is good. Ultimately, if you like Chick-fil-A, you like Chick-fil-A because the sandwiches are good, the waffle fries are good, the milkshakes are cold, it's all good. Now, I say that because if, if their sandwiches stunk, nothing else would matter. Their primary task is to deliver good food, and they deliver on that. But what is the other thing that everybody knows and everybody notices and everybody talks about at Chick-fil-A? At Chick-fil-A, if you go in and you say thank you, they say, that's right, some of you know. 
And if you try to go to Chick-fil-A on Sunday, you can't go to Chick-fil-A because they are? They're at Whataburger. That's actually what's going on there. It's the day that they wise up. It's a series of choices ultimately driven by their faith, a conviction that they're here not just to do excellent earthly work, but for them, as they see it, to bring a, a tiny bit of what they think heaven is all about to their work. And so they try to add an extra layer of kindness and hospitality. My pleasure. And they try to make a space for their employees if they want to take Sunday off and go to church at the very least. Everybody deserves a rest. And so they try to give everybody that rest. And that's a little bit of what they think kingdom matters in the kingdom coming into their workplace. But ultimately, it's still about great sandwiches. And guess what? When people notice that, some people love it, some people hate it. Some people love it, some people hate it. But everybody experiences it. And, and when they ask why, why do you always say my pleasure, or, or why are you closed on Sunday, and they get the opportunity to explain that, or they do a little bit of searching on the web, and they understand the backbone behind that, that's when the opportunity for witnessing comes in, and the same is true for you. When the world asks why is when you become a witness. And, and my ask of you as, as your pastor and friend is that I want you to have those kinds of moments, not every day, not every week, but every once in a while. Where somebody doesn't just ask what you do for a living, but they ask why you do it the way that you do. When they see that you are patient with Pam, and nobody's patient with Pam. That's a secondary blessing. Why do you do it? When they figure out that you write a prayer on a piece of paper and you put it in, your lunch, in the lunch for each of the kids as they leave the house single day. I want them to ask why you do what you do. When they discover that, that you always write thank you notes to your clients, always, or that you never give in to, to the office gossip or the petty rumors that get spread among parents at the school, or, why, or they discover that you pray for your clients on your personal time, when they ask why you do these little extra things that really maybe nobody else even sees, that you are ready, you're ready to say, here's why, because my pastor told me to. No. Here's why, because I, I believe I was kind of put in this job for a reason. Or I, I try to be a blessing because I, I believe I'm really blessed. That's really as simple as it is for me. So I try to find extra ways to do that. Or, you know, I, I believe that I, I'm really deeply loved by, by the God that I served. And so, and so I try to find little ways to show that love and kindness to other people. That's, that's why I do what I do. I just try to bring a little bit of what I think matters to God down to my work and, and see if it can bless and help other people. That, that's, that's what it comes down to. That, that's really it. And then the world asks, when the world asks why, be willing to give an answer like that. That's what Peter is talking about deep in the New Testament when he says this. No fear of the other people around you, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Be willing to give a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So, so if you're here as a follower of Jesus, my question for you this morning is this. As you, as you look to add secondary blessings into your work, what is it going to be? What will be your version of my pleasure and sorry closed on Sunday? <laughs> what will that be? What's the extra that you add that someone else might notice and make someone ask about?
And when they ask, what will you say? That's what it means to work with mission and with purpose. Now, what you might be saying is, Matt, this sounds like this will take extra intentionality and work while I do my work. And the answer to that is yes, yes, it will. In fact, it will take three things that that fewer and fewer people today, I think, are willing to give to their work. Um, it, It requires selflessness and vulnerability and time. Selflessness in the sense that as you do your work, you have to think about yourself a little less and more about what the people you're serving actually need and prioritize that thing. And that's hard to do. It requires vulnerability because... Because ultimately, the little extra thing that you do may not be noticed, it may not be wanted, it may not be appreciated, you may get rejected. And it requires time because in order to make an impact in your work, you really have to stick around, you really have to stick around in your work and prioritize relationships and connections in your work. And, and that last piece is important because I think, I think in today's day and age, we, we tend to move around a little more than we used to. In fact, there's some statistics that back that up. According to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, the average person changes jobs 12 times between the ages of 18 and 48. Average person, 12 job changes between 18 and 48. That's once every two and a half years. And that window is getting smaller. And I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. That just is a thing. But but here's the thing I want you to be aware of. If your aim is not just to do great work or make great money, but to make a great impact, you may really have to consider staying somewhere a little than your impulses would have you stay so that you have have the, the relationships and the connections leveraged for love. There's a reprioritization that has to take place. I like this quote. Bob says this. He says, people who spend all their time trying to make money end up spending all their money trying to make time. But instead, be wealthy in friendships. And look, I understand. I talked about this last week. This reprioritization of our work towards the other and extra effort in for the sake of other people, it is really hard to do because so much of our worth is tied up in our work. We're so used to working for ourselves and not anybody else that to focus my giant threat to my well-being. Like, I, I get that and I understand that. But if you're here as a Christian, what I want to remind you is that you have been freed from that. You have been freed from the lie that, that you are what you do. The truth is this, you are what has been done for you in Jesus, which means you are forgiven. You are beyond your performance. You are chosen. You are worthy. You are valuable. You are his. Your worth is from your work, and so now you're free, if you choose to be, to use your work to love other people. That's what you're free to do. You're free to use your work to love other people. And that's my challenge for you this week. Whatever you're called to do, my challenge for you today is to discern two things. To discern the primary gift that you're called to give in that calling and then crush it. And the secondary 
thing is to find that secondary blessing that you can bring in that calling. What is the gift that God needs you to bring to your neighbors, be it a client, a coworker, or the kids? And ask yourself the question, am I seeking to do that well with excellence and efficiency? And if I'm not, why not? Like, what's going on? And then what are the secondary things that I add, the little hints of the kingdom that I can fold that bring to earth? What are those things? And I know that that's a ton of extra work, and it honestly is. But in the end, it will be worth it. It'll be worth it because in the very end, the world will see what you have given. It will. In the end, when Jesus returns, he promises that when he comes back, he's going to make the, the beauty here on this earth as anything else. The joy and the peace and the goodness of God that we only get glimpses of now will be known in fullness on that day when Jesus comes back. And it will be as real and as thick in the air as the humidity on a Houston summer day. And those who see it, the fullness of heaven, those who see it, they will say this. They will say, man, this is incredible. And yet it is familiar. And they'll think, where, where have I experienced this heaven before? Where have I seen this? Where have I glimpsed this? Where have I felt this before? And the answer will be, the answer will be from you at your desk, in your office, in the reports that you turned in, in the meetings that you ran, in the, in the walks that you went on with the kids, in the notes that you sent, in the letters that you wrote, in the way that you did your business, in the way that you bore witness with your life in the little hints of heaven that you each and every day, that's where they will have seen it before. And that's what will make them say on the last day when heaven hits in fullness, they will say, man, this reminds me of my plumber or of my kid's third grade teacher, of the architect we hired for that renovation job, of the coworker I used to sit next to. Reminds me of my mom. Why is that? Heaven come to earth reminds me of them because they did their work in such a way that they brought heaven to earth. That's why. And that's the impact that you get to have. Be good at the primary task you're called to do. Bring something extra that makes the world ask why. And when they ask why, be ready to bear witness. Amen.